eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back. It's the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me is Kip Adams. Also of Dogs 24-7, Rusty Mansell is on the road today. This is a little bit of an emergency podcast, and it's the first time we've come to you guys in 2020. Happy New Year to everybody, but, uh, ooh, Kip, there's a lot to talk about, man. Jake Fromm has declared early for the NFL draft. He's one of five guys to declare early for the NFL draft. Georgia's guy had three guys enter the transfer portal. They've had a load of defensive guys decide they're coming back. Uh, there's just, there's a lot to discuss. There's an offensive roller coaster. I feel like Georgia's on right now when you consider signing day, Zach Evans, the sugar bowl and George Pickens, Jake Fromm leaving Cade Mays leaving, uh, all of that stuff. And we're going to get all of it, but Kip, let's start with Jake Fromm and his exit. What does it mean? Where does Georgia go from here? I mean, it's really interesting because uh, it's very clear that this was not an easy decision for him. You could tell just from the note that he posted on social media, you know, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, he, he did take some time to make this decision. He met with Kirby Smart, I believe, multiple times. Obviously, not an easy one, but. I mean, for Georgia, I mean, this is kind of the end of an era. This was, you know, it's it's an interesting, just story that that Jake has wrote during his time at Georgia. It's really tough to kind of just categorize, you know, what his time at Georgia meant. But obviously, getting them to that college football playoff and, and getting that Rose Bowl win. I mean, that is a defining win. The SEC championship, obviously, as well. Ups and downs for him for for Georgia. I mean, I I just think it's kind of a a turning point for Kirby Smart, a, an opportunity kind of to uh, to kind of turn the page, but also you know to look to do some self scouting as far as the offense and see what they kind of want to do at this quarterback position, what kind of offense do they kind of want to run moving forward? Because I think it's clear that what they tried to do on the field in the 2019 season. I mean, there were some good things that happened obviously, but it's not the production that you expect or that you want uh, from a Georgia team that had as much talent as they did on the field. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. It almost feels kept like a little bit of a regime change, almost like a minor coaching change uh, because 
you know, Jake Fromm was at Georgia for three years, but it was it felt like a lot longer than that because you know it always does when a guy plays and starts as a freshman at, at the quarterback position at any position really, but especially the quarterback position. It's it's just a really interesting dynamic there. And listen, I'm not here to say that that Jake Fromm was the greatest quarterback in Georgia history. I'm not here to say that Jake Fromm is is in the same conversation as guys like Tua and and what Joe Burrow did this year, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, even even what Justin Fields was able to do this year. I, I think we all understand that Jake's game is a little different. Jake Jake is not the kind of guy that really uh, and listen this is no knock because there are just very very few people at the college level and at the pro level that can put the team on their back and will them to victory okay I mean I, I saw Aaron Murray almost do it against Auburn in, in his senior season and, and wasn't able to in 2013 uh, you know the, the 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 prayer not the yeah the prayer at Jordan Hare kind of knocked that down uh, no pun intended there I guess on the knockdown comment but but you know not very many guys can do it. Jake never did. Now now he put Georgia in, situ- in a in a situation to win a lot. You're talking about a guy who threw 50 times, 40 times a game routinely in high school, who kind of swallowed his ego, came into Georgia, took a back seat to the run game. He could have been a fun and gun, slinging around sideline to sideline, 40 times a game, let let his playmakers make the plays type quarterback and and put up big numbers. Uh, but but. He, he didn't. He he did whatever it took to put Georgia in position to win. I think you heard his coaches celebrate that. I think Jake Fromm was a great quarterback at Georgia. I, th- I think that his time at Georgia should be looked upon fondly, fondly. I wrote a column. He left it in a better position than he found it. I mean, the dude went 12-1 and one against Georgia's biggest rivals while he was on campus, Florida, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, and Auburn, uh, with a lone loss coming at Auburn in, in 2017, his freshman year, when basically everything went wrong for Georgia. So, you know, th- there's a lot to, to you know, be happy about, about Jake Fromm's tenure at Georgia. I think he should be celebrated. I think he should be looked upon as, as a guy who did a lot of great things for the Georgia program. He's one of three Georgia quarterbacks since the start of the SEC championship game era to win an SEC championship at Georgia. He's one of He's the only quarterback in Georgia history to lead the Bulldogs to more than one SEC champion. Oh, I'm sorry, no, he's not. David Green did it in 2002-2003. He led Georgia to three. He's the only quarterback to do that. So, uh, And then when you look at, okay, why did he do it? Well, David Green came back for his senior year. Aaron Murray came back for his senior year. Uh, there's another one in there I'm, I'm forgetting here. Somebody, came, somebody else came uh, back for their senior year, too. Uh, but but those guys, Eric Zire is another example. All of those guys came back for their senior year. All of them, you can make the argument, kind of devalued themselves a little bit with their senior season. And then this kind of takes us into a transition point. Look at what he's losing on the offensive line. Both tackles, starting left guard for the past two years, and now, don't know if this factored into his decision, Cade Mays has entered the transfer portal, Kip. So uh, I think all of that kind of factors into the decision. And, and while I, I, I can't really say, you know, from my perspective, from where I'm at right now, and I, I fully acknowledge I'm not in Jake's shoes, I'm not in Emerson or Lee Fromm's shoes as far as the parents go in the family, it doesn't make all the sense in the world to me. I do get the arguments for him going pro. I, I think the arguments to stay outweigh it, but – Ultimately, I think that everything has to be considered, and there are some legit arguments for to, to support 
his decision to to go ahead and go pro. Yeah, I mean, he's not striking while the iron's hot, but he is striking while it's still warm. Uh, if if Jake feels that this next season could throw some water on that iron, then you definitely just want to leave knowing what you have. You've given the NFL scouts a body of work to go through. You know that he's going to nail the interview process of the NFL Combine. Jake, you know what you're getting in Jake from right now. You're getting, you know, you're getting a guy who uh, is going to pick up the offense as quickly as possible and is going to, you know, see everything on the field pre-snap and, and normally get you into the right play and, and knows where the put, you know, where his progressions are before that ball is snapped. That's not going to change next year. And, and I think that, you know, for Jake. He's going to be 6'2". You know, he's not going to get any bigger. His arm is not going to get any stronger. I think the things that are going to be knocks on him when that NFL scouting combine rolls around are going to be knocks on him next year as well. You look at this draft class, you know, after after you have your, your Joe Burrow, your Tua, Jacob Eason, uh, at, at, you know, Justin Herbert from, from Oregon, at that point, it, you know, it, it's a coin flip between between him and Jordan Love from Utah State potentially for that fifth quarterback spot. You know, if that is the case, if that if that's how it all goes down, then who knows? You know, it, it's as good a situation as you're going to get. We all know next year the kind of quarterbacks who will be coming out are you know with with Trevor Lawrence, with probably Justin Fields. You know, new guys are going to emerge. I think that it's a known commodity right now for Jake, you know, that he can take that next step and have a chance to to get drafted high enough to to go in there and, and have a real opportunity in the NFL. So I see it from that perspective. But, you know, from George's perspective, Jake, this is, uh, I mean, this is turning the page. You had a top, arguably, you know, he's going to be a top five quarterback in program history to date. And now, you know, it's, it's a new era under Kirby Smart, and and as you said, it is almost like a coaching change. And they do have a coaching opening that we're, you know, that we haven't even discussed with Scott Fountain leaving for for Arkansas. You know, we're not sure what Kirby plans to do with that position, and you know, people talk about it potentially being used for you know an offensive, you know, position, uh, maybe a quarterback coach. You know, it's all speculation at this point because they can go in any number of directions with that coaching position. But now you have a, you know, a, a starting quarterback job open and, you know, not, uh, a coaching position open as well. Uh, Kirby Smart has a lot to think about right now and what direction he wants this this program to go in. And I mean, there's some intriguing grad transfer uh, quarterbacks, you know, on the market right now, knowing that Georgia is going to return you know, zero starts at quarterback right now with, you know, with Stetson Bennett uh, coming back, Dwan Mathis, you know, hope potentially continuing to come back from, from his surgery in the offseason and true freshman Carson Beck. It's a clean slate, basically, at, at Georgia for quarterback right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and I think that um, it's – it's a, it's not only just a transition period at quarterback. This is a transit. This is a turning point in the road, and uh, I don't know that there's just a fork in the road. This this could go a number of different different directions for the offense because Sam Pittman's gone, 
Uh, you've got a new offensive line coach. You've got at least four offensive linemen who I don't even want to even start trying to count up their snaps. It's upwards of it's more than 50 when you consider uh, Solomon Kinley, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, and Cade Mays. Ben Cleveland's status is still up in the air. His father told me, and I, I keep kind of coming back to this point, told me that the plan was for him to come back. It's no certainty he's on the field in the fall. Uh, he has to retake a couple of classes that he missed uh, that, that he that he didn't get credit for uh, in the in the fall and and if he can get those knocked out and get on good academic standing then he'll be back George will be set at right guard everything will be hunky dory but that that's got to happen and it's still a question mark and from what I understand I don't think he can practice with the team uh, during the spring uh, if he's academically ineligible so so that's something else to monitor maybe that just gives somebody else some some uh, uh, reps, but you know, looking at the, the the offense, the exodus on the offensive side of the ball, Kip. If you if you look at the early entries to the NFL draft, there were three guys who left early last year: Isaac Nauta, Riley Ridley, and and uh, um, I'm sorry, there were four guys: Isaac Nauta, Riley Ridley, uh, Miko Hardman, and um, and uh, Elijah Holyfield. That's four from last year. Well, you got five this year. So Georgia's 0 for 9 in keeping its draft-eligible offensive players. Uh, now, I guess you could say that they did keep Solomon Kinley and Ben Cleveland after last year, and so maybe you know that factors into it well. But, but so they're, they're 0 for 9 on that side of the ball, and they're like 6 and 0, 7 0, somewhere in that neighborhood on the defensive side of the ball because all of the defensive guys that you thought might have a chance to leave early – have elected to come back. Now that's a good thing because next year, as you're feeling things out on offense, you've got a you should have an elite defense on the other side of the ball. There's there there's I don't think anybody would dispute that fact. But offensively, this has been an absolute roller coaster for Georgia fans. And here's why. They go to they'll go into the early signing period, which we already discussed. We discussed on our last podcast of, of 2019. They go into the early signing period, they sign Trey Burton, they sign Arian Smith to go with Justin Robinson and uh, and Marcus Rosemey, retooling the wide receiver room, one of the best wide receiver halls in Georgia history, backing up another one of the best wide receiver halls in Georgia history when they signed Pickens and Blaylock and Tongue. Okay, so so you got fans, hey, feeling great about the offense. Well, then, then you go into the Sugar Bowl, or, or even before the Sugar Bowl, and the buzz is Georgia's also going to get Zachary Evans to join Kendall Milton in the backfield is this running back class, potentially an all-time running back class, right up there in the same discussion with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. Uh, I guess that was back in the 2014 class or the 2015 class, 2014 class. So th- that has got Georgia fans feeling good about it. Then you go to to the to the Sugar Bowl. All those players missing. George Pickens goes in, catches 12 passes for 175 yards. The offense shows some signs of life. You want to think Matt Luke had something to do with that, and from what I'm told, he did. Uh, you know, from what I'm told by by those close to the situation, Matt Luke did have an impact on that. And then, so you you've got all that going on. You're feeling great. Then Evan signs, but Georgia has to release him because he wants to be released. Weird. You don't see that very often. Saw it with Brew McCoy, but what didn't necessarily happen that quickly. Then all of a sudden, guys start leaving. Solomon Kinley, kind of unexpected. Cade Mays, very much unexpected. Jake Fromm, didn't know which way that one was going to go, but but we did. We kind of figured it out here in the last 24, 48, maybe 72 hours. What a roller coaster George 
Georgia fans have been on. And that's not even to consider the high points of hiring Luke so quickly after losing Sam Pittman, losing Sam Pittman, which was also a factor, and uh, and just the the overall outlook of how things are going. We're going to go on offense, and and that's still yet to even mention what you talked about earlier. The, the potential staff shuffle to add to the offensive coaching staff. It's a lot. Ha- lots happened in in seems like what three or four weeks. I lost my breath just listening to you chronicle all of that. I, I can't. I can't believe that all that's happened. You know, in the last couple of weeks, it, it's it's been a true roller coaster for us to cover it as well. Uh, I think you know, especially you know, just considering the Zach Evans recruitment. Uh, I haven't really covered one like that before. And this Tim telling me, you know, he basically shows up to Under Armour giving it away, you know, saying who he had signed with. He, you know, that his future position coach had just uh, had a rookie, you know, playing and win the Super Bowl. It was a dead giveaway, you know, with Sony Michelle that it was Georgia. We thought it was Georgia going in and we felt pretty good about that. Our sources have told us that, that he had signed with Georgia and then he basically this lays it up there like a softball and you know, not having a ton of experience talking to Zach Evans in person before that, it, it, you know, I, I came away from that just very surprised. And I remember texting some colleagues of how, you know, this interview had a lot less drama than I thought it would. And <laughs> Little did I know what I had uh, in front of me at, at that point, just with um, you know him ultimately being released. But the, the extremely uh, strange interview uh, on TV at the Under Armour game after us being told that morning he was no longer announcing where he had signed with during the early signing period, and then you know the the awkward apology on camera with Deion Sanders. It's you know. Unfortunately, just it leaves more questions than it does answers. But I mean, as soon as I saw that interview, I mean, I went st- and began writing. You know, the story of him, you know, being released from Georgia because at that point it became clear that something was amiss here behind the scenes. And you know, we had already heard that he had been talking to, you know, trying to reach out to other programs almost immediately after he signed with Georgia. And now, you know, getting it confirmed that he had been released from his his letter of intent to Georgia, kind of closing the door on on what is a super strange recruitment. Uh, Georgia not even really being mentioned going into December. We thought it was going to be LSU. Now it may be in state Texas A&M. You know, uh, very, very strange recruitment. Very, very talented running back, but obviously someone who – you know, is is not there yet as far as learning how to handle the process. Uh, just you know, going into adulthood, some maturity things. He is is still a work in progress, like you know, a lot of us were. But so, is it very weird to cover that. And, and Georgia, you know, obviously that's a premier position in Georgia's offense. Bringing in Kendall Milton, he's already on campus. Big for Georgia there. Do they go and get another running back now uh, in this class? You know, a lot of guys signed. Uh, it, it's very interesting. It's going to be something we're going to watch maybe down at Colquitt County. You know, uh, Dijon Edwards down there is a guy that Georgia and Florida State continue to recruit and highly productive against, you know, the the best talent in the state of Georgia over his four years. That's kind of a guy that, that we're going to watch moving forward. But so many storylines in, in the last couple of weeks and, and where Georgia goes from here 
at the quarterback position, uh, Jake, has to be at, at the top of the list right now for, for Kirby Smart. Kip, let's take a break real quick. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the whole quarterback thing to wrap up the show. And we're also just going to hit real quickly on the offensive uh, coaching thing and maybe how that might impact the quarterback position. But let's, let's give them a chance to read the ad, and then we'll come back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right. Now, Kip, let's put the onions out there. Let's, let's put them out there, as, as Bill Rafferty says. Let's, let's do it. If you're Georgia right now, based on the options you have, Derek King doesn't count. Chase Bryce doesn't count because neither of those guys are in the transfer portal. Technically, we don't know if either one of those guys are graduates either, for sure. So if you're Georgia, based on what the portal says right now, who's your guy, who are you going after, and why? It's tough not to be intrigued by Jamie Newman, uh, Jake, just because obviously a guy who can, can extend those, you know, the play with, it, with his legs. And I know they had some, you know, some struggles against some of the better teams that, that they played at Wake Forest. But, but I mean, you, you saw what he was able to do, you know, with the talent around him. I mean, almost 61% completion percentage this year. Uh, I think it was like uh, 26 touchdowns, to 11 interceptions. But it's so intriguing. What the, what would he look like, you know, with the talent around him at Georgia? You know, with, with the playmakers Georgia's bringing in, the wide receivers you bring in this in this class to go along with your George Pickens, your Dominic Blaylock coming back from injury. Uh, you still have talent at running back as well. Uh, you know, if, if you're looking to see how Kirby Smart may potentially you know, evolve the offense or potentially just build the offense around what you have at quarterback, which is what you should always do instead of just trying to to do the opposite, bring a quarterback in and make him fit in your scheme, you know, adapt the scheme to the, who your best player is. Uh, you, you can't really go wrong with Jamie Newman. I mean, there are some questions there. You know, uh, is he is he still having to, to take spring classes before he can graduate? Is that a situation where he is not able to get on campus until this summer? That's something I would want to know because obviously spring ball football is very important, and I know it's very important to Kirby Smart. We saw what he did the last cycle, making sure you had a Stetson Bennett and a Dwan Mathis on campus so that you had your quarterbacks out there in spring ball. We know that's something that, that he values highly, and if – if Jamie is not able to come in during the spring, does that affect his opinion of, of trying to pursue him? You know, that's something that that, that I would want to have that question answered for sure, obviously, and I'd imagine that Georgia already knows that. But for, for me, I mean, just as far as intriguing, he's at the top of the list. So, I mean, that would be the, my first pick. But as far as a guy plug and play, I mean, it has to be K.J. Gostello at Stanford, right? I mean, just based on what he was able to do in 2018 and the potential he has, you know, if you can if you can protect him in that pocket, 
Uh, it seems like a, the most seamless transition if Kirby's wanting to to try to just go and and go with a similar game plan. It would have to be KJ. The only hangup I have with KJ Costello is the injury history. Two concussions this year is a big deal, and he also had a hand injury. Threw for thirty five hundred yards as a sophomore, so he's definitely a big time prospect. I wonder though if if it's not close enough between Costello and Newman. Um, and, and obviously, Derek King or Chase Bryce could play a role in this as well if either one of them enter the portal, if either one of them are able to come in as graduates. But I wonder if it's close enough, if you're going to go with one of those two, that you get whoever you can get in the earliest. Because with grad transfers, it's not just the idea that, that you get a guy in in January. You may not be able to get him in in June either because he may have to take like a, 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 June, a, a June mester or a May mester or something like that. So it, it may be all the way till July before you can get a guy in. So that's a factor as well. But it's almost like it, those two are close enough. You might want to consider whoever can come in the soonest. One thing I love about Jamie Newman, and listen, I, I'm really kind of at a loss for him, not because I don't think he's talented. I do think he's very talented. But if you watch his film, most of his production comes on fade routes, which Georgia has the personnel to do that. But but I don't know that that's what the, what the offense is built around. It's not a very – a good play action route, and we know George is going to be run first. Um, it, most of his stuff comes on fade routes. You know he doesn't have a ton of talent around him at Wake Forest, although Surratt at uh, at um, Wake Forest is, is a tremendous player. Uh, but but he but then he struggles against the really good teams. But those teams have more talent than him. So if he has equal talent around him. Is, is that does that balance itself out? That's something you don't really know. I do like the idea of Georgia being a little bit of a of a, a work in progress on the offensive line. If if getting a mobile guy isn't a much better idea uh, as far as that goes, but I love how Jamie Newman runs the the football power run game when when it comes down to short yardage, when it comes down to red zone and goal line, you can get a hat on a hat and basically get the numbers advantage in a situation like that. And, and use his running ability, which is always huge with, with a mobile quarterback. You just don't know uh, what he can do as far as the full passing game. But you really need a guy who's ready to play. And, and one thing that always gets forgotten about these quarterbacks is, yeah, they may have to run a new system, but there's a lot that they're already acclimated to, the speed of the game, the language, the, the, the their – their capacity to learn is they may be dealing with a five-gallon bucket, whereas a, a a freshman may be dealing with a one or two or two-and-a-half-gallon bucket, something like that. So that's also an important factor. Uh, but but I think that that's, that's huge. And then I also wonder, Kip, and I want to get your take on this before we close this joker up, uh, what impact, if or maybe it's a chicken-and-egg type situation, does potentially filling that office of coach, and this is like you said earlier, this is complete speculation. But what impact does the coaching situation and filling that extra coaching job have on uh, the the idea of what kind of quarterback you bring in? I mean, I think it com- it almost completely centers around it. I mean, I, I, it's not just Georgia looking uh, for a you know potential grad transfer quarterback, but. They're having to sell the quarterback on this being the best system for them to to thrive in. I mean, obviously, when a, when a quarterback is transferring, he's trying to you know still put himself in a position to potentially play at the next level. 
uh, or at least have the best potential end to their college career possible. Uh, so for, for Georgia, I mean, do they have to bring in an offensive uh, position assistant? No. But would it be more appealing to potentially Jamie Newman uh, it, or, or even, I mean, KJ Costello or whatever quarterback they go after to have someone that, you know, has experience developing quarterbacks and also, you know, running a system that they feel comfortable in. And I'm not saying that that person is not James Coley. I'm saying that it is still an opportunity and it's something that these quarterbacks are going to watch because right now there is some uncertainty at Georgia for what this offense is going to look like in 2020. I mean, the, with, with Jake Fromm now gone, uh, there's no you, you cannot look to this and, and know exactly what they're going to try to do because since Kirby Smart got the job he mentioned he mentioned when he, when he was hired that you know he he wanted to bring in a dual threat quarterback but it just so happens the the best quarterback available was Jake Fromm you know at, at that time to run that offense and he and he's the one who was given the keys to this offense and at times performed very well you know, just did not have the strongest junior season to go out on. And I, I think that there's a lot of question marks right now and it could go either way. And so it does just feel like that turning point where Kirby Smart has multiple decisions to make at, at the same time, but also, you know, multiple opportunities. I mean, when, when a player leaves, it gives you a chance to, you know, I don't want to say upgrade, but it gives you a chance to, to turn the page another direction. Just like with the offensive lineman leaving, and, you know, if you want to uh, look forward, now the recruiting opportunity is there for Matt Luke to come in and keep his two verbal commitments in five-star offensive tackle Broderick Jones and four-star center Cedric Van Pran. You can now go to these guys and say, listen, <laughs> I just lost four starters on my offensive line, and I think that you guys are a perfect fit. The opportunity is there for you to come in and play early. There's not a better recruiting pitch uh, to any prospect than the opportunity is there. The job is wide open. And, and uh, not to take anything away from, from guys like Xavier Truss, Warren McClendon, guys on campus who still have a lot of talent and have not had that opportunity. Uh, it, that's what recruiting is all about. You know, the best sales pitch possible is playing time. And that is now there for Broderick Jones and Cedric Van Pran. While teams like Florida come after Cedric teams like Auburn still push for Broderick. Georgia now has that in their pocket to be able to pitch these guys. And now Kirby smart potentially has that to be able to, to pitch to a transfer quarterback. So, I mean, these are the decisions that he signed up for, and, and this is definitely going to be a big couple of weeks for Kirby Smart as, as he tries to to map out where Georgia goes in 2020. One thing I leave everybody with here is this. If Georgia is indeed going to shuffle the coaching staff a little and, and bring in an offensive guy, whether it's move Todd Hartley to, to special teams, bring in a tight ends coach, or, or move you know James Coley around and bring in a quarterback's coach, whatever. Again, all speculation. Have no idea what's going to happen there just yet. Uh, very tight-lipped on that thus far. I think it makes it happen quicker when you consider you probably want to let that guy 
if if there is a guy, you probably want to give, especially if it's quarterbacks coach, you want to give that guy an opportunity to maybe evaluate who he wants to bring in. And 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 I say that knowing that grad transfers, transfers in general, the portal, same recruiting calendar as as prep athletes and JUCO prospects. Okay, so it, January sixteenth is when the dead period ends, and and that's when all of this talk and recruiting and everything is going to be able to start happening. Not not necessarily from it's from a face to face point of view before you can get to see a guy and size him up and all that stuff. So there's time, but I wonder with a guy that's been as deliberate as Kirby Smart has, and there's been some times when he's acted quickly. Matt Luke is an example of that. Uh, Trey Scott's an example of that. Uh, but but I wonder if that might not speed things up a little bit because you know they're going to want to try to get that grad transfer quarterback in place uh, in, in the near future, especially if it's a guy that maybe can enroll this spring and, and go through spring ball. And time's running out there uh, because we're already two days into classes at UGA and they're going to want to add a guy before drop add ends um, and get him involved with the team right away. But I wonder if that doesn't kind of speed up the process having those multiple decisions. And like you said, when he put the when he put the name on the dotted line and 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 the date and all that stuff and he initialed all these different categories, you know what a big contract looks like. When he did that for an average of forty of, of seven million dollars a year for seven years, he signed up for this. And he's big decisions to make, decisions that are going to impact this program in 2020, 2021, and beyond. And uh, and that's that's his job, and uh, he he has a big one ahead of him. And uh, like I said, the, the Georgia is going to field an absolutely elite defense, at least for the next two seasons, the way it's recruited, and probably beyond. Uh, so that very much helps this team kind of uh, have some margin for error. Uh, if the offense looks like it did the second half of the season early next year and gets better as the year goes along, Georgia's going to win a lot of games. And uh, and I think that that's that's something you can look forward to as a Georgia fan. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about regarding the quarterback situation, the coaching situations, stuff we didn't get to on this show, the defensive players that came back. Obviously, we want to dig into the defense and how good it can be in future podcasts. But for this one, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7, Kip Adams with Dogs 24-7, and this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take it easy, everybody. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.